0: What are public policies? What do they have to do with health? And most importantly, what do we as public health professionals need to know about the policymaking process? You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health. From the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content.
1: Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not
0: necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. My name is Gordon, your favorite podcast host, and in this episode, I'll be speaking to someone who I think has all the answers. She has been a scientific advisor at the National Collaborating Center for Healthy Public Policy since 2008. Her projects at the center have mostly been in the area of health inequalities, intersectionality, policy approaches to reducing health inequalities, and wicked problems. Her recent work has focused on the emergent trend of well-being budgets and policies on public policy competencies for public health, which will be the subject of our discussion. I'm speaking about Val Morrison, and our conversation is coming up next. Val, welcome to the Public Health Insight podcast. Hi, Gordon. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, and I know Thanksgiving is very far away, so apologize for that reference. I want to start by visualizing your career as if it was a Google Maps. So I'm going to ask you, do you have your phone? Do you have your Google Maps set up? You ready to put something in?
1: I can, not No, just kidding. Just kidding.
0: (laughs) Metaphorically, I just want you to visualize it and take us through how you started your career off. I believe you completed a Bachelor's of Arts in Sociology. Then you did the same at the Master's level and something very similar at the phd level as well and when i looked into your background it seemed like you've always had that interest for the sociology the human behavior public policy so can you walk us through that what that journey was like was it filled with twists turns u-turns traffic lights
1: yeah Uh, a lot of those things i guess I probably don't have a typical public health background mm-hmm. in the sense that as, as you said, I did my degrees in sociology and was mostly interested in social inequality, forms of social inequality that I studied at all levels. The aspect that is perhaps I haven't brought with me into public health is popular culture. So my research focused on forms of inequality and how they play out in popular culture. And in public health in 2007, I think the interest, as I said, for social inequality was always there and I simply wasn't aware, I suppose, of how it translated into public health. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity in the summer of 2007 to do a sort of short contract Mm. on community organizations and the role that they play in supporting public health. So I did that for a few months at the National Collaborating Center for Healthy Public Policy, so where I still am now. Mm -hmm. And then I started there full-time in January of 2008. So the journey is a little bit, you know, you, I don't know if it's a twist or turn, it's not a U-turn, but there's a bit of a cutoff point because I was Mm -hmm. mostly, before I started working at the NCCHPP, most of what I did was teaching in university settings, right. largely sociology, but also some political science and public policy because that's also an interest. So yeah, that's kind of what brought me in the background in inequality and what we call in sociology social stratification, the mm-hmm. way that, that society is organized kind of hierarchically in terms of the different social groups that we belong to. That's the major part of my interest and my background that I brought with me and that's still there really, it just sort of plays out a little bit differently than it did in the popular culture field. When
0: you look back, are you surprised at all in terms of how much your work directly intersects with public health and health outcomes? Was that something that you knew would always be
1: the end goal? I don't know that I did see it in terms of health. And I think the layer probably that was new to me sometimes honestly feels like it still is new to Mm -hmm. me is how the kind of the theoretical knowledge that we gain and the things that we learn about how social inequality is produced and reproduced and entrenched and reinforced through policy and through governance when you're working within a system like public health and you're going back through those same systems And you're dealing with certain forms of bureaucracy and the way things are set up. So how you go from a kind of vision of inequality to then bring that down to the policy level and to the level where it makes a difference, I think that's the part that was most surprising and challenging for me. But also it's crucial because it's a lot easier. I say that with, you know, a a little bit of awareness that it's not that much easier, but it's easier to see inequality and to think about how we would solve it than to actually do it at policy level and Mm -hmm. to make suggestions about how can we actually do something that goes beyond pointing out inequalities Mm -hmm. and actually begins to make a difference. Because a lot of the time I think that's where we are, maybe even perpetually, is beginning to make a difference.
0: Mm, Okay. That's very interesting. So it's almost like it's a bit in terms of identification of the issues or the problems. That's where we perhaps do a good job of, but the bottleneck is moving the observations to tangible action to have some kind of positive effect, especially yeah. through policy. And I think as I work more and more in public health, I start to understand too that There's policies that come with different levels of ambition and intended outcomes, and then there's the implementation of a policy, and then there's the enforcement of the policy, and then compliance with the policy from those, and then it gets quite complicated. And I now appreciate how intertwined politics, of course, is, and then policy itself is within public health. It's quite inescapable in a way that's quite in your face. And I didn't appreciate that when I started my public health career initially.
1: Yeah, I probably didn't either. And certainly in terms of the connection to health, Mm -hmm. because there are some forms of inequality that I think unless you're studying health or medicine or public health, you don't necessarily make the connection so directly to health outcomes. Right. You know, if you're studying things like the politics of housing policies or even just housing. You know, you know that bad housing is bad for people. Right. But you might not necessarily know that it leads to specific health outcomes right. that can contribute to health outcomes in specific and measurable ways. So I think that's the part maybe that's new for me. And that's the, that's the lens through which, or you said the bottleneck through which, you have to move to make a difference. And I don't think, at least speaking for myself, for those of us trained in the social sciences and humanities especially those with a kind of macro view, we don't necessarily think of how we take that knowledge and bring it to that sort of level yeah. and through those channels. Yeah. Now, maybe that's the accurate way of putting it, is they're unfamiliar or new channels that we have to move through.
0: Absolutely. Now, Val, my understanding is in Canada, there's six national collaborating centers, and I'm going to attempt to list them for memory, and if I get stuck, I'm going to look to you for some help. Okay. So there's a indigenous health, methods and tools, infectious diseases, environmental health. How much is that four or five?
1: Determinants of health. Determinants of health, Determin- that's right.
0: And then there's yeah. the one that you work at, which is the Healthy Public Policy National Collaborating Center. So right. give us an overview of what that specific collaborating center does and what sort of is the overall mandate for that organization?
1: Okay. So as you mentioned, there are six six centers across the country that were created in 2006 in the wake of the first SARS mm. epidemic. And so it was with a view to creating a structure that would be able to do what we call knowledge translation, knowledge mm. synthesis translation and exchange So to be able to get research and new knowledge into the hands of people who need it within the public health workforce. So that's the creation of the six centres created by and funded by the Public Health Agency of Canada. And at our specific centre, as you mentioned, we're called the National Collaborating Centre for Healthy Public Policy. So our focus is healthy public policy, which is kind of a mouthful of a concept, but (laughs) we think of healthy public policy as all of those policies that exist outside of the formal health sector. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about healthcare policies. We're not talking about wait times. We're talking about things like housing, as I mentioned before, transportation, education, um, wealth redistribution, all of these policies that are not specifically health Mm -hmm. policies, but that affect the health of a population. And they can affect that in positive or negative ways. So they can bolster the health or they can have negative effects on the health of a population. The types of housing policies, access to, even access to healthcare, that its existence is a form of healthy public policy. But all of those things, so we focus, sometimes our focus changes a little because we're a fairly small organization. There are 12 to 15 of us, I think now. And so we tend to focus on the strengths of our members. Um, And we've had quite a bit of turnover, which I think has been the case in a lot of organizations throughout the pandemic. So the areas that we've continued to focus on are analyzing public policy. So how public policy works, how it connects to public health, how can we influence it? How can we understand those connections? We also have a a large project on the health and all policies approach Mm -hmm. to public health. We have work on climate change, on health inequalities, which has been my main focus since I've been there. Public health ethics, population mental health and wellness, public health infrastructure. So all of those areas with the public policy is our kind of grounding force.
0: So that health and all policy stems from the fact that we're talking about public policies, which are not necessarily implemented for the purpose of influencing a specific health outcome, but it inevitably has it as an unintended consequence. Now, and then health in all policies, is that more of a framework to guide policymakers to consider health outcomes whenever they make public policies? Is that? Yeah, essentially.
1: Yeah, that's not my area of specialization. Mm -hmm. So I won't say too much about it. But yeah, health in all policies is an approach that attempts to have all sectors, and what that means Mm, concretely, talking about those channels we have to go through again, is different ministries Mm. of government that encourages them and gives them the tools to consider the health effects of different policies and programs that they're adopting. So if it's a transportation policy, then it provides the tools to examine how might this policy affect the health of the population that maybe is living there to perform health impact assessments, that kind of thing. So it is really health in all policies in some ways is sort of healthy public policy in action.
0: Yes. Right. When yes. actually
1: in government. So yeah. when governments are considering health as part of their policy making, they are, in essence, performing healthy public policy or attempting mm. to.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Val, I have to say, through our podcast, we reach a lot of aspiring public health professionals and We always get questions about what different careers are out there in public health. And obviously, I have a very narrow view based on my experience. So I always like talking to our guests about their experience in their specific roles. And you currently work as a scientific advisor for the Collaborating Center. So could you just shed some light on what you do on a day to day? I know sort of what your focus is on at the high level, but what does that mean? What are, what types of work are you
1: doing on a day-to-day basis? Right. Yeah, and I should say that the titles of scientific advisor, which is my title, mm-hmm. often come from what are called our host institutions because mm-hmm. each of the national collaborating centers that are in, well, five different provinces because there are two in British Columbia, but that are spread out across the country. Mm-hmm. So the title really comes from those that are available within that system sometimes. Gotcha. Often in our organizations, we talk about either knowledge brokers or knowledge translation specialists, those kinds of things, because what I do and what most of those who occupy the role that NCCHPP refers to as scientific advisor is try, you know, sort of do my best within my area of focus and of specialization to provide people who are working within public health units, usually at the local and regional level, but it it could be at other levels as well, with the most up-to-date and the most relevant information in order to do their jobs. So sometimes that means going out and meeting with people and seeing what what are the gaps, what are you missing, what can we provide within Mm -hmm. our area. And sometimes that's in anticipation. So in seeing, you know, for example, we we prepared a paper maybe seven or eight years ago on intersectionality in public health, a short fact sheet, because we were hearing more and more about intersectionality as an approach to inequality being brought into different levels of what might be called sort of governmental Mm -hmm. analysis, where it's been there for a long time in the social sciences and critical race theory, you know, for decades but it was seemed to be making an incursion. And so we prepared a short fact sheet on that to let people know this is what people mean when they're talking about intersectionality. This is you know where it came from, how it connects to other ways of viewing inequality, and here's the role or a possibility of the role of public health in this field. So that kind of thing. And as you know, we do webinars. So we try to support You know, publications that we have, our primary Mm -hmm. form of reaching out is through publications, different types, short kind of fact sheets, longer research reports. We support those through conferences and webinars. We have a series of webinars that we do. And we also hopefully we will get back to, we haven't been doing for the last few years because most of us have been limited in our travel, but we also have done a variety of forms of workshops Mm -hmm. and meeting with different people in local health regions and working with them specifically sometimes, you know, on their issues with our sort of tools or way of viewing the relevance for policy.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. We always get questions about what do you really do? So that mm-hmm. gives a better idea about, and I like that you contextualize that the role title itself may, it's just an artifact essentially of where you're hosted. It may not be consistent across different Jurisdictions for that same specific role.
1: Right, it hasn't been consistent across my career at the NCCHPP, right. even though I have never changed jobs.
0: <laughs> now, Val, you provided a very clear distinction to me about the differences between a public policy and a health policy. For example, a healthcare policy geared at reducing wait times or improving the quality of healthcare services, mm-hmm. for example. As a public health professional or the public health workforce in general, who's out there using their skills and applying their practices in these different domains, why is it functionally important that we understand the differences between those two policies, health policies and public policies?
1: I think, I mean, there's so many, <laughs> there's so much to that question, but I think the importance is, uh, it probably comes up every day for all of us mm-hmm. that work in public health, that when we say we work in public health, people assume we mean health care yeah. or the health system. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we do mean that. Sometimes many people who work in public health do work in those roles. But that those of us that work in areas that are related, for example, to public policy and to healthy public policy, to social determinants of health, health inequalities, we're really interested in how the world around us influences health, and particularly beyond individual or behavioral choices for health. So oftentimes when we talk about health in terms of the healthcare system, and mostly what we're talking about is health as illness or the absence of illness in the best definition, or we talk about health in terms of individual choices. Mm-hmm. Are you eating right? Are you getting a lot of exercise, keeping your weight down? Um, all of those things, as though those choices were not influenced by the the places in which we live and the people that we know and the places that we work and where Mm -hmm. we go to school and all of those things. And crucially, our governments and the people who are making decisions about the types of public policies that we have. So it's crucial to understand, and I don't mean to suggest that healthcare and the healthcare system and all of those sort of health sector-related aspects that have a huge impact on our health, particularly the availability and accessibility of a public health care system, I don't want to suggest that they're unimportant, but there, I don't know, there have been various ways of measuring it, and I won't hazard a guess <laughs> as to the most recent, but the factors that influence our health the most, particularly when we're talking about population health, right. the health of you know all of the people in in Canada or in a county or in a health region, the things that influence our health are outside of that. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, our ability to find decent work and make a decent wage and have, you know, affordable and accessible childcare and housing, access Mm -hmm. to fresh and affordable food, for example, that is not a given for everyone, Mm -hmm. depending on where you live, including in in many cities, big and small in Canada, where living in certain areas makes it harder, more expensive, and less viable to shop for something as simple as fresh quality food ingredients. So all of those things that we tend not to think about Mm -hmm. because we prefer to think of our health as being in our own control, right? so that I can control how healthy I am by eating well and doing this, that, or the other. And those things do matter. We can't deny that they do, but in some ways those choices are often made from what some might call a place of privilege. So if I can mm. choose to go to the farmer's market or to you know, the mega grocery store, not everybody has those right. choices because they might not have access to transportation, they might not be able to afford it, etc. And those differences are social and political in nature, I would argue.
0: So would you say the danger is then if we lack that understanding of the distinction, we are in danger of focusing on the wrong thing too often? Be it to fix health outcomes, why not fix health policies when what you're saying is we should really be looking at public policies in general or we won't be able to prevent these problems upstream?
1: I think so. I think Mm. our focus has been not in public health. I mean, certainly since the Ottawa Charter, you know, the the Ottawa Charter is, what, 86? Even from the Lalonde report before that, there has been widespread acknowledgement within public health, and I think more broadly, that health is not merely the absence of illness, right? That it it has to do with the conditions in which we we live. I forget the, the full phrase, we live grow, work, and play, that allow us to live healthy lives. And the whole focus of healthy public policy is outside of the health sector. I do think, though, what you bring up and that we still see often is that what sometimes we call lifestyle drift. It is much easier even to make policies that target individuals and their choices and their behaviors than Mm -hmm. it is to make you know maybe broader what some might call structural changes mm. so that is still a challenge I think to think about lifestyle factors which again as I said are important and mm-hmm. do make a difference but from my point of view they don't make a difference at a social or societal Very level interesting. they make a difference exactly where you say you're going you're focusing at the level of the individual and that's an important level but it won't change social systems
0: that's and I we could go and talk about that for hours. That's a whole other thing. But it, I I, li- I just had a light bulb moment too in that we tend to think of policies, at least in some public health spaces, as the gold standard for interventions because it has the potential to impact the most number of people simultaneously. What you're saying is within that there are policies that focus on individual level choices and behaviors and some that focus more on the structural pieces. So essentially not all policies are created equal when we look at things oh. that way.
1: Oh absolutely. Yeah. Policies enter enter into the, the kind of the the determinants yeah. of health and of health inequalities at different levels. Mm-hmm. If I don't know if you can picture in your mind the WHO conceptual framework for the social determinants mm-hmm. of health, mm-hmm. right? It starts on the left mm-hmm. with the structural drivers that are things like governments and policy structures and then it moves through what it calls the intermediate determinants of health that are things like education and jobs and income and then onto the behavioral aspects which are you know way downstream mm-hmm. again will impact health. But the idea that is that you can design policies at each of those levels and impact in what I would argue, a more meaningful, more solid, more sustainable way, Mm. the further back towards the level of governance and policy that you enact, those policies, the bigger the impact, the more long-lasting and the more sustainable. Mm.
0: And I'll get into that in more detail when we talk about one of the thematic areas for the competencies being policy theory. I'm imagining that's where the lack of understanding for how... Those systems work influences maybe some choices we make at the policy level that are not in the best interest of the people. But we'll put a pin in that for yeah. now and okay. shift gears to go to. We have a bit of a rapid fire segment. There's nothing invasive, just some light, fun questions we like to ask. Sure. And essentially, it's our segment called Insight Blitz, where we ask questions or read some statements, and then you provide a brief response to those statements questions or statements and i have four of them shall we begin did i scare
1: you no not (laughs) Not yet
0: okay good (laughs) so we'll start off by what is your favorite thing to do in your spare time hopefully you do get some spare time with the demands of your work
1: Okay, not at all related to my work. Right now, the Mm. only thing that I have spare time for, and it takes all of my spare time, is an eight-month-old puppy, golden retriever puppy. So that is, unfortunately, I think my favorite word these days is no. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) (laughs) But lots of fun, but definitely a full-time, full-time occupation for now.
0: That's funny. We have a a nine-month-old puppy, too, but it's a Boston... Mixed with something. We're not sure yet. And we do often use those same words that you just said oh, very often. So that's our yeah, vocabulary a, right now.
1: <laughs> it's a little terrifying. With I, I knew that they were known for, you know, their mouths are on everything, yeah. right? Biting, chewing. Oh, so, boy. Um, yeah. But yeah. hopefully a few better. more months yeah. and we'll be through that stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. What is your favorite food that you like to eat?
1: Oh. <gasps> I love food. Mm, Okay, let's talk about it. I think probably I've said before, if I could have only, like in terms of cuisine, if I could have only one kind of food for the rest of my life, I think it would have to be Indian. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Indian food. Uh Um, Any particular dish? It's probably kind of stereotypical, but I mean, I love tikka masala okay. dishes. Usually, I don't eat red meat, uh-huh. so it would probably be chicken. And I'm allergic to shellfish, so mm. that doesn't leave me with many choices for the <laughs> tikka masala. But yeah, I like things that are spicy. But I also like I like uh, like fresh summer, mm. you know, summer fresh salsas and that kind of thing with a little bit of kick. A little bit of kick. Okay. What is your
0: favorite way? to stay up to date on the latest developments of public policy?
1: I'm a complete news junkie. Okay. Sometimes it gets in the way. <laughs> That's probably it. So I read a lot, a lot of online content in different areas mm-hmm. in different countries. And I I listen to quite a few podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in policy and politics. So I tend to follow... Right. Pretty closely.
0: Any recommendations that you'd say if there's one good one that you get a lot of good updates from that people can follow?
1: My favorite, which I believe it's on summer hiatus, is a show from the UK that's called BBC Question Time. Mm, Okay. Which I wish that we could have something like this in Canada, but I don't think it works because of the geographical and political diversity. But they have four or five guests every week Mm -hmm. who are at least one from each of the main political parties represented and then usually like a journalist or somebody who's who's known from the public and the audience asks some questions about policy and the audience gets involved and it's a really fun format it as you can imagine it gets mm-hmm. a bit chaotic yeah. sometimes <laughs> and sometimes you know the politicians are, are not really playing the game they're sort of just you know m- making their own points but I as a format for a political show I really like it and I mean I like it partly because I get to watch it here at six o'clock or 6:30 <laughs> in the evening right. and there it's at 10:30 it's at, at night right <clears throat> but yeah so that's one of the places where I get my political fix so much from you know the the SCOH mailing list in mm. in Canada the uh, Dennis Raphael I think puts together still mm. a lot almost everything comes across that. That's a good mailing list to, to join, Listserv. Of course, any of the NCC sites, all we all have kind of what's new spotlight focus sections on our sites. I'm particular to the NCC HPP right, site, right. of course. That's it, I think, for the, on the awesome. top of my head.
0: That's great. Some great recommendations. I'll check some of them out, too. What is one key skill recent graduates should have if they're aspiring for a career in policy or anything in your sphere?
1: Well, I don't know that I could boil it down to one, Mm. but pay attention to policy and learn about Mm. how policy affects health and how it works. Because I think one of the things that might surprise people when they're first confronted any public health problem will have a policy dimension. I can't imagine one that doesn't. So... Some of the things that you need to know are within a job, for example, is what are, you know, what's the mandate of this organization? What are the limits of that mandate? And what are what various jurisdictions are involved? So, if you, for example, start, we've used the housing example a few times, if you started a job at a health region on a project focused on housing, there are a lot of things you're going to need Mm -hmm. to know about how. What the existing housing policy is, who's responsible for housing policy, and most of the time that will not be one single entity. Mm-hmm. It might be as many as four or five or six and go from federal, provincial, municipal governments through to development corporations or community organizations. So it's a whole, policy is a whole field mm-hmm. of influence and of effects. Policy at all of these levels will affect what housing configuration is. And all of those areas can be points of entry for, um, for change or for improvement. So, I mean, I don't know that I can't say one policy skill mm-hmm. is the most important, but I would say, you know, f- pay attention to what public policy's role in public health is and and develop those competencies, develop the knowledge about policy. How can policy help me? Who are the people that work on policy? It's a whole, you talked about Google Maps at the very beginning in terms of my trajectory, but imagine policy as that kind of environment where you've got, who are the people that are important in this area? What are the organizations? What policies exist in other places that have been successful or that have been less successful? What are the jurisdictional issues in this country? and it wouldn't be dissimilar to many others, but we have questions of jurisdiction when we're talking Mm. about health and education and whether they're provincial or federal, and in some cases for indigenous communities that may change depending over time and in different places. So all of those things that are part of the policy context have to be understood in order to operate kind of successfully in there. Mm -hmm. So I would say just pay attention to policy. Find out about it, how it influences, and what you can do to influence it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.